Hello, friend. Welcome back to Meg Living Inside Out. This is episode 22 of our series on friendship. Value Conflicts. Do two walk together unless they have agreed to meet? Amos 3.3 I love that verse because it's a very clear rhetorical question. And in fact, the context that's used in Amos is kind of a, a duh statement of like, th- this is the way the world works. Two people don't walk together unless they're going in the same direction, unless they have similar destinations. Value conflicts, there's a lot here, but we're, we're going to cover it. Value conflicts come in two different forms. There are moral value conflicts. So this is something that is right or wrong. Murder is wrong. Stealing is wrong. Things of that nature. But there are also amoral value conflicts. And uh, an example of that would be very situational. If you were a colonist in the 1700s trying to decide, do we maintain our loyalty to the United Kingdom or do we strike off on our own and create, um, take our local governments and unite them to create a different country? That was an amoral decision. Um, that loyalty there. However, what side you take on that value conflict had a very powerful way of completely changing your friend circle. And that is what we have seen in the year 2020, the great friend breakup of 2020. Um, I noticed at the beginning of COVID, there was a lot of camaraderie. There's a lot of, we'll get through this, positive goodwill. And I'm going to be honest, I could... It was nice while it lasted, but I could smell a storm on the horizon. And, oh my goodness, did the storm come with, between critical race theory, and um, then later making decisions about treatment for COVID. Um, We had a lot of things um, that to find disagreements over. Now, value conflicts do not always have to result in the end of a friendship. I have friends and neighbors who believe very different things from me. I am able to be their friend because we have other things in common that are stronger than those value conflicts. And and so those those differences of value stay underneath the surface. Um, I don't talk about abortion with my liberal neighbors. I, I try to talk about Jesus and righteousness when given the opportunity. But obviously, if the question was pointed to me, how do I feel about abortion? I would say, 
you know, murder is wrong. And, you know, that life in the womb is valuable. And yes, there are important treatments for ectopic pregnancies and miscarriages, and those things should not be confused. Um, But that is a very strong value that I have. And there are important passages in Deuteronomy that exhort us, do not stand by while people murder their children. So that is something that I cling to, I'm very passionate about, and it's very grievous to me that certain members of big evangelicalism in America are passive about celebrating the progress that has been made in this area. But I digress. Um, Value conflicts do not have to destroy a friendship. However, God often uses value conflicts to end friendships that need to be ended. And this can be very disheartening for people who are trying to walk in agreement, trying to find as much common ground as possible, and who are trying to walk in an others-centered, honoring way. When I could sense that storm on the horizon in summer of 2020, one of the things that I recognized as it started to hit the fan was that God was winnowing his church. And winnowing is a agricultural term that means you separate the grain of the harvest from the kind of leaf-textured sheath of the husk. So if you've seen ears of corn in the store, there's that green leaf around the... Oh my goodness, I'm forgetting the name of it. There's a green leaf around it, and then there's the strings, and then the silk, and then inside is the corn and the husk. And so the corn is the grain and the seed, and that is what is of nutritional value. And then the leaf and the silk and the husk, that's an example of chaff. And so when you have um, corn is quite a large seed, but grain is a grass crop. And so you take a flail or you have animals walk across the grain and they step on it and they crush the seed head and they cause the hard seed of the grain to be separated from the husk and the chaff. And the seed is then ground into flour and used to make bread and the husk is thrown away. I mean, Jesus says it's burned. So I could tell that there was a winnowing happening. And um, I went through a winnowing in my life in the spring of 2019. So when 2020 came around, I was a year ahead in my emotional processing of those breakups. Um, It can take a couple years to process a friendship breakup, um, especially when you're questioning um, did I do it right? What, you know, should I have said that? Um, which leads us to another distinction. 
um, there are two types of conflicts. There are conflicts that kind of come at you all at once and you are standing there across from this person or in a live messaging conversation having a very pivotal conversation and whatever whatever thought process you've rehearsed in your head is now what is coming out of your mouth and so may it be that we practice wise things in our heads because they will inevitably come out of our mouth especially in these critical high pressure situations now there's another type of conflict and they are the ones where you can see them coming and they're kind of just under the surface and friendships can dissolve because of those kinds of conflicts as well and sometimes they bubble up to the surface and sometimes they just stay underneath unspoken and eventually both parties just kind of stop initiating stop reciprocating stop making contact stop having a friendship so I want to give one more example of a amoral conflict um, that can end a friendship. And um, I've mentioned some keywords. I don't want to get into my personal opinions on those. I've hinted at my positions elsewhere. Um, let's, <laughs> let's talk about um, co-sleeping. Motherhood is an area that is fraught with very strong opinions, and a lot of times those opinions come from a place of concern for the other person's well-being and concern for the other person's offspring's well-being. And, oh gosh, let me talk about one of my convictions while, while we're on the topic. I'm, I'm opening this can of worms. Um... Uh, children who are born vaginally get more probiotics than children who are born either prematurely or via C-section. Now, this can be overcome with probiotics and proactively, you know, spending time outside and, you know, doing everything you can to be healthy. Um, but certainly... A, a child who does not have good probiotics starting off into the world, they're going to have some catch-up to do. And so um, even with children who go through caesarean sections, a lot of time uh, there can be swabbing that can be done to get that secretion that has the probiotics onto the child's face. And then they can begin to, um, you know, the 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 breast milk will will feed that probiotic and every when when things work according to God's plan it's very beautiful and there's a lot of things that can go wrong and so there's a lot of concerns about that um i mentioned co-sleeping um i'm getting ahead of myself um so that swabbing is something that i'm particularly passionate about but at the end of the day there are lots of people who are born of caesar reason see 
Words are hard. There are lots of people who are born of Caesarean sections, who have wonderful, meaningful lives, and we are all trying to make the best of whatever bag of health and genetics and predispositions and environment and environmental triggers we receive. And that's kind of just how life works. Um, and so as much as I would love to go evangelizing for probiotics and all of this, um, I have to trust that God is in control. And I have to trust humanity to him regularly. I have to trust God with people. And especially when they make life decisions that I don't think are wise or in their best interest, I have to take my concern for them and take my emotions and sit before the Lord and trust him with my emotions. And then after praying and seeking him, if if he gives me permission to go and talk to someone or have a conversation or or you know whatever action calmly and peacefully then I will take that action. But if I'm not submitting my emotions first, then I will turn into a... (laughs) I will be a bucket of fear, spilling fear all over the brim. And emotions out of control are not helpful for people. Dare I say that if we do not have... If we feel a lot of emotional concern for others, but we are not stewarding those emotions well in a way that considers their best interest, we are not loving people. Self-control is the other side of love. And so I was reading on Twitter, um, the question was asked, you know, what was a topic that came up that ended a friendship for you? And I saw a reply that said, my friend told me that if I bed shared with my infant, that they would die. And unfortunately, bed sharing is the kind of thing where there is a right way to do it. And there is an uneducated way to do it. And if it's done properly, everyone can sleep better. And if it's done improperly, yes, people can die. And that sort of thing has happened historically. Um, And so the way that this person communicated their concern was so strong and so fearful and so judging of, you know, if you are, if you do this, you are, you're making a, a, not just a poor choice, but an immoral choice. And something I have seen on the internet and in person is that when we take our personal convictions that, you know, maybe God is impressed upon us of this is how I should live my life in my context. And we apply those convictions to other people who 
haven't received that same impression from the Holy Spirit, and I'm not talking about things like the Ten Commandments, stealing, murder, adultery. I'm, I'm talking about things like infant baptism. Let me talk about infant baptism for a second. Now, I, I currently attend a church that practices infant baptism. I have a great deal of respect for R.C. Sproul. Bless his heart. He's, he's off with the Lord, has been for a number of years now. R.C. Sproul also believed in infant baptism. Now, I am quite at peace being in a church that practices infant baptism. However, my husband and I do not believe in infant baptism. Pedo-baptism is the Latin terminology for it. Uh, We believe in credo-baptism. So believer's baptism, or when you believe the creeds, you know, the, the truth of the gospel, then move forward and get baptized. So I'm not here to convince you one way or another about that topic. But my point is, is that it's important to me that my husband and I are in agreement on that topic. Or if my husband and I were not in agreement about that topic, we would at least be in agreement about how we would proceed with our children in a way that honored each person's conviction. So the closer that you are to someone, the more important it is that your values align. And if your values are different, you you have two choices. You can either move forward with being closer to that person and actually change your values, which can be beneficial. If, if there's someone that God has put in your life who is a really mature believer and or they're part of a group of really mature believers and you want to be more like them, I say... <laughs> In general, you know, read the Bible, know your word as best you can, or maybe they're going to help you with that. But you may want to consider changing your values as you become a part of that group. Um, you know, one of the ways that God makes us healthier is to put us in with people who are healthy. And then we learn and we adopt their healthy practices. Or the other option is that if if we are, well, technically there's three options. Either we move forward in increasing closeness with people who have different values from us and we change our values. Or we stay at an acquaintanceship level and we don't have that value conflict. Or... We actually move away from that group of people as we hold on to our values. And so this third option again brings us back to that question of, you know, when is the right time to hold on to our values and how do we go about distancing ourselves from people? So I have promised... (laughs) for a while now that I would be including some case studies in this podcast series and drum roll please it's time to bring out the case studies so 
Um, the first example that I have is, um, so, uh, a young woman and I met in the comments, uh, section of a Lindsay Sterling video, uh, many years ago, actually, and, you know, we connected, but there was some distance, and then a few years passed, and we reconnected, and it's always very interesting when a few years pass, sometimes, um, you know, if both of you become more mature and you reconnect, it's really delightful to recognize, oh, you're softer in that area where you used to be hard, and likewise, the other person can recognize, oh, you're less prickly and you're more self-controlled in this area where you used to be different or out of control and so that is very lovely when it happens um that wasn't quite the case in this circumstance uh although we had we had both changed over the years and um we reconnected, we exchanged phone numbers, we had some lovely phone conversations, um, and I, I went to the effort, uh, well, let me back up. So we connected on Twitter, and this young woman uh, at one point, you know, put the call out, hey, um, I've just started my Instagram, can some people follow me? I'm really trying to get to 300 followers, and I have quite a few Instagram accounts and I had them at the time and so I followed her from multiple accounts. Well, um, she did not follow any of them back and that's actually kind of a key part of this story because um, reciprocation is really important to me. Now, I, I noticed that but I kind of just... I, I noticed it, and I chose not to be offended by it. Um, unfortunately, it did come to the surface later on. So, in the course of digital friendships, um, one of the things that I'm really passionate about is, you know, really knowing who people are and knowing how they're doing on a current basis. You know, the reason that we ask this question, how are you, is because people are constantly changing. We're constantly learning new things and having our eyes opened to new, tr deeper truths and deeper elements of God's reality. And we are constantly going through new struggles. We are constantly going through um, new learning experiences. And so... I really prioritize trying to, I put a lot of pressure on myself to know how my friends are doing. And over the years, I've noticed on the internet that that is not something that other people put on themselves because it's the internet and there's so many people and how can you keep track of everyone? But this is how God has made me and we've discussed this. So, um, I... Eventually, I kind of unfollowed her from some of my other accounts. She well surpassed 300 at that point. Um, but I did follow her from my private spam account. And I did that so I could really, you know, know how she was doing and, and keep up. 
And I found that the person that she, the persona that she presented on her Instagram versus, you know, what we had, the connection that we had in conversations was different. And not different in a good way where someone is boundaried but they're real. Um, you know, Laura from Garden Answer is a very real, genuine person, but she keeps her life boundaried within the context of the garden. And she doesn't talk about her personal life so much. And pieces of it slip out here and there, but she's not vulnerable about her personal life. And that's a healthy boundary on her part. So she's still very authentic and sincere in the context of the garden. That's not what I was getting from this. And my friend um, was just, she wasn't a real person on her Instagram. And she she had bad philosophy, which was very bizarre to me, considering that she was a pastor's kid and homeschooler and some various other things. I grew up in the church and that that was really concerning to me. But I, again, I saw these things and I kind of just kept them to myself. Well, then the day came <laughs> when there was a straw that kind of broke the camel's back, so to speak. And she tagged my account on an Instagram giveaway. Now, if none of these other circumstances had been in the picture, I'd been like, oh, cool, hope you win the giveaway, great. But I had been very intentional about following her and listening to her, and she had still never followed me back. And in the spirit of reciprocation, I had hoped at some point that she would just realize, oh, I'm not following Meg. I should follow her back. That did not happen. Um, so at this point, I, I was at a crossroads and I had a decision to make. Now, current me, if I could go back and do everything all over again, current me would probably send her a message and say, hey, please don't tag me in Instagram giveaways. Thanks. And then from there, I probably would have slowly faded out from the friendship and just kind of distanced myself and eventually unfollowed. However, if I had done that, I would not have given her the difficult blessing of confrontation and speaking truth. And there is a quote from G.K. Chesterton that says, um, if something is worth doing, it is worth doing badly. And that's a paraphrase on my part, but it's definitely J.K. Chesterton, and the internet can help us with verifying that quote. The exact phrasing, but the concept is there. And 
I moved forward with confronting. And I did the best I could in that context. And this was one of those things where because I had been holding back and bearing with a lack of reciprocity and this insincerity on on her part online, you know, my need to communicate this kind of hit me all at once. And when I'm holding back my emotions and my self-control breaks, that kind of wave momentum of like, okay, we're going to have a conversation now kind of happens. So this was definitely one of those conflicts that kind of just, okay, we're doing this. Buckle your seatbelts, kiddos. And I, I sent her a direct message. Again, this is spring of 2019. I don't remember exactly what I said. Um, I remember that she screenshot my direct message and then we had a text conversation and she criticized the way that I was confronting her. Um, we also mentioned briefly like, oh, my Instagram is for me. Oh, but my Instagram is for other people. And I'm like, well, you kind of need to make up your mind there. Is it for you or is it for other people? Like there are and that that's kind of its own debate. I, I have some thoughts on that. Um, but very simply, like you can, there are things that are for you that, that can be beneficial to other people, but then there's also things that are for you that are just for you. And you can post that on your social media because it's your social media, but nobody has to take that sort of thing seriously. So the conversation ended with us agreeing that we had grown apart and we just weren't going to be friends anymore. And I remember walking away from that conversation feeling both sad and relieved. Um, Sad that she was no longer my friend and also relieved that she was no longer my friend. See, in spring of 2019... I asked God. I could tell that I was entering a new season of life, a, a a slightly more public season of life. And when you become more public, you meet more people. And it's very important that you already have good people in your life before you enter into one of those seasons. Um, and it's very dangerous if you go viral and you don't have healthy community um both online and in person so one of my prayers was lord please bring the young woman into my life who i am meant to be connected with in this season and in the weeks following that prayer he quickly and swiftly and dramatically answered by removing a dozen of acquaintances. Uh, Some were dramatic and some were just a quiet fade. And then once the, the dust settled, he did bring in new friendships. And that was a very 
precious, meaningful time. And I was very grateful um, for him doing that because I didn't realize how many friendships I had that run healthy. Um, and in this particular instance, inauthenticity is a value that I hold very strongly. And that's, you know, whether someone is or isn't a Christian, if you don't tell the truth to yourself, I can't be friends with you. I can respect you from a distance, but I can't trust you. And for me to be your friend, I have to trust you. And in the case of a non-believer, I am banking on their ability to tell themselves the truth in order for me to present the gospel, the truth of the gospel to them. This is foundational. I would dare say that outside of the working of the Holy Spirit, and no one comes to the Father except by the Father. We, we read that in the book of John, the Gospel of John. Um, you cannot successfully witness to someone who is not open to the truth. You can tell them the truth, and maybe the Holy Spirit will use that in a different season of their life when they're more receptive. Maybe those words will echo in their soul later on down the line. But if someone is lying to themselves and you speak the truth to them, you cannot expect them to take you seriously. This, my friend, is the ultimate value conflict. You can't be friends with people who are lying to themselves. And if you are lying to yourself, you cannot be a good friend to others. So this requires that we get before God and we ask him to purify our hearts. And then after we ask him to purify our hearts, we ask him to show us who we can and should trust and who we cannot and should not trust. And if you need to, if you need to cut ties and go cold turkey on certain unhealthy friendships, I would highly recommend doing that. Some of you are in such toxic circles that you need a dramatic break. (sighs) Unhealthy friendships can be an addiction because they feed the sin nature and they drag us towards selfishness and unrighteousness. And because we see other people being selfish and acting on that selfishness, we feel like that gives us permission to indulge in our selfishness and act out our selfishness. Friends, if you are going to walk in righteousness... You must take your desires and put them before Jesus and say, God, help me to trust you. Help me to discern what desire is of you and what desire is of me. Wanting to kill someone is selfishness. That's me acting out my desire for justice and 
God cares about justice way more than we do. To the infinitesimal degree. I don't even know if I'm saying that word properly. But to the infinite degree of justice. He knows about the rainbow slinky fish that I stole when I was 10. And then I shortly thereafter lost lost my little sandbag animal that was pink and purple that I loved. And I would have kept forever. Um... And that was God's consequence on me. He, he, that was him exacting justice. And very consistently in life, I have seen when, okay, tangent time. Karma is a word that non-Christians use to observe the pattern that God has placed in the world of exacting consequences and consequences equivalent to what was caused by them and i've experienced this many times to the point where and i don't use the word karma i only say it here to to give it reference to you but the consequences of the lord are are perfect he he is the one who exacts poetic justice and those consequences are beneficial because they have helped me to learn not to do those things and even in that there is still mercy there is still the gift of relationship with him And that is renewed and restored after repentance and acceptance of his forgiveness. And we have the opportunity to go to people and apologize for when we sinned against them. I'm going to talk about a second case study with a second value conflict. And... I don't know that I quite understand this one, but I'm going to do my very best to explain what I do understand. So my husband had a friend who was a girl on Twitter. And he and I were married at this point, and this is how I became friends with him. And he was always very um, respectful and appropriate. He stayed out of direct messages, and he had really fun banter in the comments and the at replies and so my husband kept telling me about this friend that he had and their witty banter and it finally dawned on him you know you should be friends with each other and so we we picked a messaging app um, that worked for both of us and we started talking back and forth now because my husband had introduced us and we already knew that we had a lot of values in common we went deep fast we got vulnerable very quickly and we already we we moved forward with a lot of trust because ben who we both trusted had introduced us. And so we're moving forward with becoming new best friends. 
And one day, I read um, a testimony article. And in this testimony blog post, um, the woman explained some pretty dramatic spiritual warfare. And my new friend was very uncomfortable about this. And what I didn't know was that this young woman was um, what we call... She was very uncomfortable with the gifts of the spirit and spiritual warfare. So much so that when I shared my testimony with her, which I had on my website at this point, it also made her uncomfortable. And the beginning of my story is is that God told me to ask my mom for ballet lessons. I saw the chiropractor today. And in the course of seeing the chiropractor, this is the first time since COVID, by the way. It's been a better part of three years. And um, I told the chiropractor, you know, my mom had a really bad back. And thank God I took ballet because it put muscle on my bones. Otherwise, I would have had the same physical struggles that my mom had. That is very simply one of the many benefits that I've had from starting ballet. I I don't know that I would have left home if I had started ballet. I certainly would not have. I was not motivated to drive. Uh, So I learned to drive because I had to move away from home to take ballet lessons and So, and then in addition, taking ballet taught me that I could go farther than I knew, than I thought I could. And it taught me how to persevere. It taught me how to master a skill. And it, it made me in touch with my body. And so I'm, I'm better able to help others. I'm better able to draw. I'm I'm better able to draw the human figure and my little Kite Song sister characters because I've spent so much time understanding human anatomy. So there's a host of, of benefits and reasons and I know that God told me to ask my mom for ballet lessons. And if because he did that, it dramatically changed my life change the course of my life. And my new best friend was uncomfortable by that. And I I pulled back from the friendship. Um and she could tell And so she tried to be proactive about reading my stories of Albarian because I'd sent her a a document to be a beta reader. Um, 
but that still didn't solve the issue of if you are rejecting my story then you're kind of rejecting me and if you're rejecting me and my story how can I trust you and so about a week later which is honestly a good amount of time to give somebody some time to think about you know how do I restore trust in this friendship a week later we were sending some voice memos back and forth and I finally just said I'm sorry I can't do this and I blocked her on the messaging app and I texted my husband Um, I was coming back from a road trip at that point and I texted my husband what's her name is a cessationist and I feel so hurt and rejected that I don't ever want to make friends ever again. It was really sad and hard to cut off that friendship. I unblocked her later on to give her the opportunity to have a conversation if she wanted it. Um, she did not want a conversation. She did want me to know that, you know, she was going through a really hard season of her life in that time, and um, she was low on friendships, and losing mine was really painful. Um, and... To this day, I would like it if she would apologize. Um, She's no longer on Twitter. Um, She's in a different season of life. I hope she's doing well. Um, So, in that instance, the value conflict was that there was a part of my story that was an element of spiritual conviction and that spiritual conviction made her uncomfortable it was a trigger for her i i that's that's the only thing i can figure and so it makes me sad um you know in that weak window of time if she had said things differently Maybe I could have kept on trusting her. Maybe we could still be friends. But I can't... I can't let myself... fall into the what-if category and the regret. Um, And I have, to be sure. There's other friendships that I've grieved a lot. Um... Friendships where I was much closer to the people and cutting them off, you know, me losing them because of my sin or them losing me because of their sin. And, you know, I, I've grieved those things very deeply. Um, but something I'm trying to remember is that, and this goes for case study number one that we also talked about today. Um, you know, she, 
she was going through some things and I think she was choosing some patterns some old patterns instead of new patterns I don't know um but both of these women that I've discussed today are believers and I fully expect to see them on the other side and it's like okay how do you make peace with the fact how do I fall asleep at night knowing that I have participated in disagreement with other believers. And it comes down to this. Two things. Don't stay mad at the other person. Set boundaries. And when you can't trust people, you can't be friends with them. And that is your boundary. However, when we get to heaven, and this is the meaning behind the word inverse dream. Inverse dream is a reference on 2 Corinthians. Therefore, having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world, lowercase g, The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have in this treasure, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. 
Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. That passage captures the essence that there is a spiritual reality that is greater than what we are physically experiencing. And living in faith means that we live with our eyes fixed on what God has told us about that spiritual reality. And we are looking not with our physical eyes, but we are looking with our spiritual eyes. We are looking to him of the glorious Jesus who saved us from our sins. And one of the beautiful things that is going to happen on that day when the spiritual reality becomes our fullest reality, when we wake up from this inverse dream that is life here on earth and we experience the fullness the fullness of who God is when we experience God's goodness in completeness and his holiness is the epitome of his goodness when we experience his full goodness and holiness we will have nothing more to fear we will have no more desire to sin and we will no longer we will no longer have any reason to be afraid of anyone we will have perfect understanding of our identity because we will have perfect and complete understanding of Christ and his identity and knowing who Christ is is what fills us with confidence and in that safety and security of knowing who we are in the light of Christ we will then be able to have full and complete trusting relationships with all the other believers and whatever discord or disagreement or triggers or selfishness that we had in our past will no longer be applicable because they also will be completely safe and whole in their knowledge of Christ and his identity and who they are in him. So because we will individually be unified with Christ, we will then communally 
be unified to each other. And on this theological ground, this is important doctrine, y'all. Understanding, okay, this is how God made the world. Therefore, if this is true, then this is true. And if God says this consistently through his word, then that must mean this. And the conclusion is this. I cannot wait to see my friends in heaven and run toward them and give them the very biggest hug. (laughs) Neither of the women that I talked about today I ever met in person. (sighs) But I am so looking forward to the moment where we are in unity in Christ. And I believe that this will be the case for all believers. And that, my friends, gives me so much joy. If this podcast has given you something to think about, something you need to work through and process, I would encourage you to click the link in the description. Inversestream.com slash podcast slash conflict. There will be a web form there that will connect you with a digital mentor. This is not a professional counselor, simply a Christian who wants to encourage you on your walk with Christ. Also, it's free, and they literally just want to encourage you and disciple you. So seriously, click the link in the description, or go to inversestream.com slash podcast slash conflict. They want to help you, and they want to help you wrestle through the conflicts that you're having so that you can make wise decisions. And they'll probably think of things that you can't think of in the moment because they have more life experience. It took me... It is fall of 2022 and it's only been this year that I've really made peace with those breakups from spring of 2019. And it's only now that I've realized, hmm, I would have done that differently. Hmm, I would have done that differently. At least in the first case, I don't know that I could have done much in the second. But all that to say, thank you for listening. My name is Meg, and I love my Jesus. And I believe in living inside out. Now it's your turn. Live it.